Well, Jonathan, it's good to be here with you coming out of the weekend and uh, really interesting weekend uh, talking about witnessing without making people cringe. And uh, I've done my fair share of making people cringe at times. So uh, uh, this is an interesting conversation to have. Um, we, we, If you haven't had a chance to watch it, we'd encourage you to go back and watch the teaching. It's available at onechurch.to slash teaching. And uh, you want to catch up on that. But you had a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts about this that you thought maybe would be worth unpacking coming out of this weekend. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, Matt, you grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, I grew up uh, attending a church, being a part of it. And the idea of witnessing uh, instilled a lot of stress and anxiety in my life because the model of which we engaged in, at least where I grew up and the church context I grew up in, it was intrusive. It was right. uh, intrusive. I was inserting myself into your face and bringing my beliefs with you. And I had a clear message, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> and that, that, that made it a lot of anxiety, not just for me, but I think anyone that had to encounter us as a people. And I think sometimes that lingering narrative uh, limits people's scope of understanding that your witness and life living are actually together in that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think, yeah, there was an era where uh, where uh, being an a evangelical Christian looked, looked a lot like uh, being an a encyclopedia salesperson, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, we had something of value, and the whole point was to get it into the other person's hands, but uh, tact and, you know, it was... It was uh, Hey, it was a season, right? But uh, helping helping people today, uh, there's there's like you said, a lot of baggage. So you you broke it down to a, a bunch of different things. Uh, you you talked about being authentic to yourself, which was mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, let me just ask you really quick before we dive into some of the, the how do we apply it to our lives? But like how how do you discover how to be authentic to yourself? Um, uh, you, you're in your own life. Are there moments where there's been like an aha where you kind of just figured out, Oh, that, that, that suit didn't fit me. That, why am I trying to put on that? Anytime that happened to that, to you like that? Yeah. I, I think in life, especially anyone who's ever worked and if you worked for any length of time, you discover along the way that, that sometimes you're trying to win at the wrong game. You're, you're trying to succeed at something you're not wired for. It's not you. And you find out partway through, hopefully early, that, that this is not my path. And it doesn't make that pathway wrong. It's just not my path. It's not genuine to who I am. And I think, too, in, in this present era that prefers, you know, it has, it has different distinguishing markers that are honored in this culture. I, I think it's important. Like, uh, I'm a middle-aged white guy. I understand that. That, but that is who I am. I got to be me. But at the same time, I'm learning to allow people to be them. And that comes from listening a lot and maybe speaking a little less and learning and growing that way. But I think, you know, you need to be uniquely the way God wired you. You know, the, the life experience you have, Matt, uh, our, our genders, our cultures, our ages, all of that, you know, live in the space God has you presently. Don't live in the past version of yourself and don't live in a future version you hope is there. Live where you are right now. Obviously, that future version we're hoping is a better version of us. But a lot of that's contingent to diving deeper into the person of Jesus. Right. And I think as you're, 
you're kind of leading us. If the, the we really get closer to Jesus, some of those uh, outer layers of, of fake personhood kind of get burned away and the more authentic version of yourself comes through anyway. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Like you read the gospels. Was there a person that Jesus couldn't connect with? Right. And uh, the more you are yourself, the more relaxed you are to be able to engage with people that are very different than you. And you you don't bring to the party your expectations or uh, it's not like you're trying to build a party for their expectations. You're being in that space. And I think when you embody the fruit of the spirit, Galatians chapter five, you know, that those kind of things make for a great connection with anybody. Who doesn't want to meet someone who's filled with love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and all that good stuff that Paul lists in Galatians 5? Yeah. So you made you made a point uh, that uh, if we want to be attractive, we have to be active. Mm. And being active, um, <laughs> you know, with the, the previous statements in mind, uh, that <laughs> our activity being genuine and coming from a place of, of closeness with Jesus and trying to live like him is the best, <laughs> the best method of being active, right? But uh, you, you, you quoted James 2.17. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? You know, I, I think there's been a lot of my, my own personal faith walk where I have had moments where that wasn't outrageous to me that I was so focused on the inner man, the spiritual development and some really good, healthy spiritual practices that I actually missed, uh, missed out on my God walk. You know, if the, the God talk was there or, uh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. The God talk was there, but the God walk wasn't always, I wasn't always able to follow it up with, with the way I was living. And it's not necessarily that I was living a bad life, but we're talking more than just avoiding wrong stuff here, right? Oh, that's And that's big, right, Matt? Because I think uh, church and Christianity often gets marginalized to a morality. Mm-hmm. And listen, uh, our morals and values and perspectives should be shifting the deeper we get into Jesus to reflect the lives, the morals and the values and the perspective that he had. But I think we do a disservice when we uh, boil down uh, the faith movement of following after Jesus. A Christian is really means to be a follower of Jesus. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, it's more than just keeping myself clean from the world. The Pharisees were really good at this. Uh, uh, the Essenes were really good at this in, in Jesus' day. And they lived in a remote life. And all you needed to do be, to be pure was stay away from everybody else kind of thing. And just right. devote yourself to prayer and worship. And, and it's so much larger than that because we see Jesus actively engage with large crowds, small crowds, small groups, individuals. Uh, it doesn't seem to, he doesn't go out of his way to avoid people. He makes special time to be with his father, but he, much of the gospel accounts is him interacting with people. And there's where we get our great example for the activities of the kingdom of God that we should embody. And so I, I think being authentically you is allowing, you know, God, uh, Jesus allowed Peter to be himself and John was himself. And you see all the personalities, these disciples he formed. He wasn't looking for people that had the same personality he had, or he wasn't looking for a prototype. He had diversity, he had women in his, in his entourage and in his ministry. He had diversity there. 
And it wasn't about, you know, those little markers that maybe the world distinguishes us by. It was the transformational work of the spirit inside of us. And it takes people that are uniquely different from each other to reach people that are uniquely different. So I, I love how Jesus works that way. That's the, the, you just ended there with something that I think, uh, uh, would probably lighten the load of a lot of Christ followers. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily have the right, uh, personal equipment or personality type or even connection points to really necessarily be the one to reach everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think we've heard some stories in our own lives where, even a close family member was never able to be the one who could <laughs> coach yeah. someone's someone's sister, brother, mother, father, or someone like that closer to Jesus. It took someone with a little less familiarity or maybe in a different approach or whatever to help someone come to Jesus. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 this didn't make it into the weekend message, but I was thinking about it and it almost became one of the points. And it was really... Um, Engaging in this idea of uh, witnessing without making people cringe. I think a lot of times we make people cringe because we think we're the one that has to help them cross the line. We have to win them in that moment. And that would have been the ideology that was kind of cemented into me when I was younger. And what it really means is we, you know, people who can be authentic, it's because they trust Jesus. What I mean by that is, they trust that the Holy Spirit's at work in people's lives long before you meet them, long before I do, long before I share with them a kernel of truth or something like that. Jesus is already having a long conversation with them. He's on a long journey with them. His Spirit is guiding them. And I've got a moment in time. I don't need to open the deal, seal the deal, close the deal. I don't have to do any of that. I need to be fully present as a follower of Jesus. And if I can do that in that moment, there's something beautiful that comes on the other side. I can trust Jesus with the people in my life. I can trust that he's at work and he knows what's best. That takes the pressure off me having to become Jonathan the evangelist or Jonathan this or that. I can just be myself. And because myself is as skewed as I am in this life, as imperfect and broken as I am in this life, uh, the more I get closer to Jesus, there is some transformation happening. And I can allow that just to be my greatest sermon. And that doesn't mean we don't have an opportunity to share. We shouldn't share something of what Jesus has done for us. But man, yeah, you know, that God talk, God walk. Yeah. Uh, it's critical. Okay. So you just, you just pointed at something, another uh, favorite quote for the Christians, uh, I think, who are more on the introverted spectrum side of the spectrum, uh, would be uh, preach at all times and when necessary use words. Yeah. Um, and I I love that quote for a season because it kind of helped <laughs> ease a little bit of the the burden to witness. <laughs> uh, and there's you're, that's not what you're saying. Um, you. But it is hard in today's culture. I feel it sometimes even when I'm I'm in some lightly Christian circles to talk faith talk, let alone when I'm with my neighbors. And even if I tell them I work at a church, sometimes there's an awkwardness there. Right. So how do we how do we bridge that when we there is almost a, a a preference from our culture to say, yeah, there's this pluralism. You can believe whatever you want, but I don't want to hear it. 
you yeah. keep that to yourself. So how do, how do we as Christians in Toronto um, do that without being aggressive when it, any conversation about faith feels aggressive? I, like, I, I love that quote. I think that's Mother Teresa who said that, you know, uh, if necessary, use words. Uh, you know, witnessing has two components, and it's proclamational and incarnational. What I mean by that is I grew up in an era where it was more proclamational. I'm going to tell you what you need to know to know Jesus because you need Jesus just like I needed Jesus. I don't think I'm better than you, but it was all about the declaring the truth. And it's morphed into more of an incarnational model, which I think is so healthy too. This incarnational one is we live out the gospel in such a compelling way that just like the followers of Jesus, people are looking in like that account we read in Acts chapter 2 from Luke in the weekend. People were attracted to Christians. Neighbors, if you, you had a Christian neighbor, you were, you know, your house value goes up. People are excited to be around them. Why? Because they're being like Jesus around you. Their activities are the activities of the kingdom. So they're bringing peace. They're bringing care. They're bringing all kinds of things to the party, to the conversation. But the, uh, the other side of it is, is true, though. I mean, uh, it's not just the life we live. That's what gives substance to the words we will speak, though. I do think, though, there are moments when the Holy Spirit gives us those moments with individuals where we have an open door. And it's not like, too, I, you know, I want to take pressure off people. It's not like you got to get it all out and get the steps of salvation, the Roman road, whatever it is. No, I mean, it's an opportunity when I talk to my neighbors and uh, she, she was going through a very difficult health scare. And, and I said, hey, I'm not, I'm not sure where you're at, but, you know, I want you to know my wife, Shelly, and I, we're going to be praying for you. And I meant it. I don't just say that. When we say it, we do it. We try to do that together. And I could see she was just, she even said, please, thank you. Um, a family member who was going through a tough time that, that uh, I'm not sure where they're at. And uh, I lean in and I, I begin to pray for them every day. And I, I talk to them about it. And I realized that these are little windows of opportunities. I could just say, listen, man, I feel bad for you. Or I could say, listen, this is what I'd be doing in your situation. Would you mind if I do that with you? That's witnessing. That's, that's witnessing to the power of God at work on earth as it is in heaven. And all we are is mirrors reflecting Jesus to people. Because as I mentioned on the weekend, we have all our shortcomings. There's no perfect people at our church and there won't be and I'm not. And so, you know, we're a flawed community of people trying to do life together. And Jesus is the only perfect person around us. That's fascinating because I think a lot of times uh, I felt witnessing, especially when when you use the context of, you know, the Holy Spirit prompts something. I'm expecting a little bird to land on my shoulder and start whispering things to me <laughs> that I can that are just going to nail that person, and tears are going to flood down their cheeks, and they're going to have a a holy moment right there with God. Like I, I think sometimes we put that type of pressure on ourselves. To do that, um, so I think yeah, like just that that honest reaction that's powerful. Now you 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 talk about God talk versus God acts using James here. Mm. I think um, sometimes it could go either way, right? Like we could we could have the moments where you you spend your your morning in in uh, a devotional reading and spending some time in prayer, and then you go out and you treat your employer employer or employees poorly and mm -hmm. that's that incongruency there but it could also be maybe um that we uh 
we 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 don't see the the acting out as the the witness the living witness that that uh i heard someone say it that uh if you look like your life is completely the same as your neighbor's life what is there that's compelling about the gospel if it makes no difference to you so in toronto what what can we do how can we make choices with our day-to-day so that we smell more like christ how do we live uh that incarnational use that term that that living presence of jesus how do we live that well, I mean, that quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones of The weekend I used, and I, I don't know if anyone's read his work, but an old British pastor, I don't know if you have it in front of you, Matt, but go ahead and read that quote. Let me just try and find it from, if you have the, uh, where is it here? Got it, right here. Christians become a light to the world to the degree that they stand out as different from the world. Absolutely. I, I love that. Now, what does that look like? How, what yeah. difference are we looking for, Jonathan? So that, like, that's, that's where the brass tacks, uh, that's where the rubber hits the road right there. What does that look like in our culture? So Jesus gives us hints of it. It's specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. You begin to see uh, the contrast between the values of the kingdom of God and the values of the world that we live in. But it, it, it's the, the old adage like, uh, Uh, If people see you love your enemies, well, that'll stand out as different. Especially when your enemies, you have every justified reason to hate them. Man, that is different. It's the way we play on social media. We should play differently. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions. doesn't mean that we can't express them. But we're expressing them in a way that is going to connect the audience with Jesus better. And it might be even like, let's get silly. It might be sporting team differences. And that can be a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff. And you can be just joking around. And if you know the audience well, you can be sarcastic and everything else. But if it's a broad audience to just anybody, anywhere, anything, and there's many ways to do humor. You can do it at someone's expense in a cutting, uh, difficult way. Or you can do it in a way that that everyone's kind of laughing. And Jesus was a master at getting everyone nodding in the same direction. I think Andy Stanley, in one of the talks we listened to as a staff at one time, uh, Matt talked about how he's a master of even in the storytelling. He tells stories like the prodigal son and he sets it up with his son who got his inheritance up front and goes off and uses it. And he makes the point, and I think it's brilliant. That the religious, steeply religious, pharisaical people that were around, they would have been nodding their heads like, yeah, that's wrong. The the sinful people around would have been also wrong, uh, nodding their heads saying, yeah, that's wrong. Everyone would have been. And then he goes after the truth kernel. And, and I, I think it's brilliant how Jesus, but he's the best communicator in human history. So I, I think that's masterful. I Instead of putting pressure on yourself, I think... When it comes to actively, we use that expression, actively learning to live like Jesus and the differences that should show up in our daily lives. It means I have a vision outside my family. I have a vision for my neighbors. So easy to become so insular in this culture. I realize that my words have some weight to them. It doesn't mean I probably throw around more words than you, Matt, because I'm more of a talker. But but it doesn't mean that that gives me license just to throw around any words anywhere. I can use that gift for gab to mm-hmm. spread a lot of grace, 
a lot of goodness, a lot of peace. I, I may have some opinions on how the government's handled the pandemic. Now, what can I share that will be helpful and edifying right. in a way that I will still encourage people to be praying for those in authority, but at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, wh- where can I express my opinion or how can, well, I mean, I have the opportunity to vote every year. And that's, that's a, or whenever there's an election, that's a way to exercise some of that. But it's less about my rights in the kingdom of God. It's more about God's right to every area of my life. He has the trump card in every area of my life. So he has rights over everything because I came to him and I surrendered to his kingdom. And now it's about allowing God to be my protector. Now, I, 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 this is all nuanced because people could play this out to all kinds of extremes. But uh, it's less about even with our church's decision not to open up that. That, that right now, and even if it's allowed, we're being very careful. The reason being is, although we may have a right, the question is, should we be exercising that right right now? What's the greater good? What, how can we protect the maximum amount of people? How can we make sure that the, we, our witness doesn't get stained as a church community because we opened up and we became an epicenter for another wave or something like that? Uh, it's worth it to me to withhold some of my rights so that the kingdom of God can advance and the care for people advances around me. That sounds a lot like what Jesus did, eh? He gave up some of his <laughs> rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, now you're getting spiritual on us. <laughs> okay, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be uh, like one church deal unless we gave some people some next steps to put some rubber on the road here. Um, obviously, Love Army is the not only a vehicle for expressing love and care for our city it's also like training wheels for for this for our soul and it helps us do that so if you haven't already checked it out you can check out at go love army on all the social media but maybe if there's a challenge you could give to to somebody jonathan who is this is all kind of they're a bit disoriented by this conversation Yeah. yeah follower of jesus Maybe for a long time, but the, the Holy Spirit is, is speaking something of conviction in their life that they could take some new steps in this. What, what's something that they can do today? I, this is going to sound like a pastor response. So, uh, like, I, you know, it's always, you get, you get <laughs> the warning fits. right up front. <laughs> you know, uh, something that changed me, Matt, and I'm going back years ago, um, my heart broke for people that didn't have the opportunity to hear about Jesus' love. And it was as I experienced a greater portion of who God is and his love for me. And I, he was so patient and gentle with me and kind and he forgave me and he restored me and I could see evidence of his work in my life. I kept thinking like, man, it's unconscionable that I don't share this with someone. And it didn't come from a place of guilt, which would have been when I was younger. Any idea of witnessing came from a place of guilt, I guess I better. It came from a place of love. And that caused me to really uh, watch and steward my voice and my actions better. Because it was no longer about convincing people or arguing people or anything like that. It was about loving the person in front of me. And Jesus did this really well. With the Pharisees, it was a little more fierce with them. And I I often use that illustration of smelling salts when someone's knocked out and and it brings them back. Well, he was using smelling salts with them because they were so, they were blind to their own illness. They were blind to their own blindness. 
But the people that were aware of it, he never needed to use smelling salts. He didn't hammer them. He, he, he embraced them. Hmm. He let them know that, that, you know, that they were loved and that they were valued and that they mattered. And he stopped the train so many times to talk to them, notice them, uh, build a pathway to them. So I, I'd say it starts with prayer. And it starts for me just praying, Jesus, melt my heart. So my heart has a passion for the things you have a passion for. And that being the people that God's placed in our lives and around us. You know, whether it's serving your family or serving your neighbors, serving is never a bad posture. It's a great witnessing tool to serve others. Why? Because Jesus did that. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Go figure. He was the guy with the, in the power position, and yet he's wrapping the towel around his waist. And there's many different ways we can witness that are uh, real reflections of our true personality. I'm a talker, so there's chances are there's some extra words attached to my witness. Uh, some of you are real servants, and you, you, it's natural to you. And God gives you a gift of, of, you know, whatever it is, baking, whatever it is. You can bake in the name of Jesus. There's lots of stuff you can do in the name of Jesus. But prayer is what melted my heart and gave me a vision for people that were far from God. And then practice. Mm -hmm. No, I think like every great spiritual discipline, Practice is a part of it. And witness requires practice. And that's that activity part. Love Army, like you mentioned, I think that's a great, I think that's a step, not just a great step for people dipping their feet, foot in the witnessing pool. I think it's a great step for everyone who calls one church to owe their, their family. Because Absolutely. you get to do something collectively with us as a community. There's power in that synergy. Matt, do you remember when we used to do the Easter and Christmas productions? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> How could you forget Well baked in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt would sleep at the church doing those yeah. productions. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 even as they became less effective as reaching uh, outreach, just because of a change in culture, right? Mm -hmm. One of the beautiful things I loved about it, and I miss to this day, was the synergy that would happen as so many volunteers would come together around a singular project and we, you know, you felt it. You felt that synergy of all these actors, singers, production people, everyone coming together to do this. Well, Love Army gives us a chance to do something. It looks different, but it's a chance for us all to be doing something together. So, yeah, I really would invite you to be a part of that. And also, as I mentioned over the weekend, the Easter weekend, man, something special about this time of year, isn't there, Matt? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, that, that, that weekend... Uh... I mean, the home I grew up in, it would change the clothes we wear, you know, like in every way. So like, like our hearts, our hearts felt something. And as a, I think if you're truly following Jesus, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's not to get weird, but it, this is, there's something a little more ethereal, a little more spiritually significant about this, this weekend, just as you, people around the world are celebrating something and our culture is yeah. aware of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a, uh, such a great opportunity for us to do some invitation. And, you know, I'll say this to everyone listening right now, a part of our church. Uh, I know Matt's working hard on it. Our team is. We'll do our very best that weekend to remember all of your family and friends and guests that you'll invite. We'll do it at, at the best weekend at connecting all the dots that 
they at least understand what's going on and they have a chance to see Jesus for who he is. Not a religious dressed up version of him or not a flannel graph that might be new for some of you, <laughs> version from Sunday school of him, but the legitimate, raw, real Jesus who walked this earth, who loved his creation, who died for his creation, and then three days later broke the the the, the shackles of death and, and crushed all that is evil and sinful in this world that you, we could find freedom. I'm going to preach to you right now, but we're going to do our best to present that Jesus over that weekend so that those that you invite can see beyond maybe some of the religious rhetoric that you'll see in social media and other places and see the purity of, of our risen Savior. Yeah, for sure. Love that, Jonathan. So as we go, you know, you might be discovering this uh, a few months from now or a couple of years or who knows when the internet will happen upon you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll always, we'll always want to be a church that, that, that is available to you. Uh, as an invitational tool for your friends to come to know uh, a little bit more about Jesus, and uh, you know, let's take that. Let's take that charge, Jonathan. Thanks for putting that out for us to just pray. God, I'm I'm willing. Help me. Help me be more aware of the opportunities that you're calling me to today, and then serve. So pray, serve, and invite. Those are some some great steps that we can take. Well, I hope, I hope this was valuable to everyone who's joined us here. Thanks, Jonathan, for taking some extra time with us. But uh, if, if, uh, if you have any other questions or anything, you can always text us, 416-291-9575, or email us, or go to the website. We're on the social medias, so you can find us everywhere there. But uh, we love to keep having these types of conversations if they're valuable to you. Otherwise, we'll see you on the weekend. Take care.